So Giles, you very kindly offered to show us uh, the technology that you used in order to do this special remix version of the album. Yeah, so this is this is going back to what we were talking about using uh, Peter Jackson's audio team. And if I just play you the original track of Taxman. So this is Taxman, and this is... Imagine the band recorded everything live, and they had four tracks. I mean, there's four different individual elements they can use. So here we're listening to track one, which is guitar, bass and drums are all on the left-hand side. So if I'm going to mix this, I can't mix this in stereo because I just have to move that entire thing to the centre or to the right, which means I'm kind of either recreating a mono or doing exactly what the band did, so nothing separate. So what we managed to do is go back to that original track and separate the guitar, bass and drums. So I said to the team, I was like, can we take the guitar off? So this is what it sounds like with the guitar off. Now, you go even further, that's bass and drums. this week's Wednesday with Fab. I'm Ed Chan. And I'm John Stone. And we're still in Revolverland, and we will be for at least the next two, maybe three weeks, as John and I go through the uh, two outtakes discs. Looking forward to it. I got more to say about them than anything. That's one of the pieces of gold that we've gotten out of these box sets. Joining us, as they did last week, host emeritus, the man who co-hosted the show with me for how many years, Lonnie? I forget. <laughs> Enough, huh? 20 years? No. <laughs> At least five. Both Paul and I said, we've been together now for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> we've been together now for 40 years and it don't seem a day Lottie Pena. Hey there, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> and Queen of All Beatles Media, Kid O'Toole. 
Kit, you're getting ready to teach again in December, right? Yes, indeed. I'm teaching uh, the Roots of Rock and Roll Part 2, and I uh, found out recently I'm going to be teaching two more courses next spring, uh, actually next January and in April. So really looking forward to that, too. Yeah. Where does part two start? Well, it's actually genres. Ah. I do it that way. So part one, I did like gospel, R&B, blues, that kind of stuff. And so part two is going to be country, folk, and skiffle, that kind of stuff. All right. Yeah. That'll all fit together. Absolutely. Which all leads us into Revolver. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) One of the best skiffle albums of all time. (laughs) If you joined us last week, or it may not have been quite a full week ago, we'll we'll see how these things go out. But we wanted to be part of the Revolver Fund, which is going out there. And we were fortunate enough to get digital copies of the album and all of the outtakes discs. So we are able to do this review and present it to you in proximity to the time you get the record. In our last show, in part one of this show, we talked about uh, the book, we talked about the packaging, we talked about Rain and Paperback Rider, although we probably should have talked more about Rain, but we're not going to do that this week. So this week we're going to get into the record proper, and you know we can talk a little bit about how it sounds in comparison to the mono. Now, were you listening to the mono originally, John? Because you said you got it more or less when the album came out. Yes, my parents belonged to the Capitol record club so we got a bunch of albums and they tended to buy mono <laughs> because they didn't want to spend the extra two dollars for stereo yeah any good or bad memories come back to you listening to this mono no it does indeed sound different than the stereo which i think i can safely say was the one that the three of us have listened to predominantly through the years well, yeah, and, and I did too, because the early albums, they were shared amongst four children. Gotcha. And so they didn't last long. So I bought albums again, particularly after I heard Rain. <laughs> so sometime in the 70s, you picked up the stereo revolver. I'd like to think, and it's funny, I had this conversation in L.A. recently, that I'm working on these tracks and doing pretty much what they would have done if they had this technology, if they yeah. could do this. If I'm doing, doing a mono mix, I'm essentially just going, their mono mix isn't very good. So with everything, with Sgt. Peppers and with this and Let It Be and all that sort of stuff, it's like, you know, okay, we now can do this. We can treat it in this way. Right. And, and if I'm just doing a... If I'm mixing, this is Giles Martin's mono mix of the Beatles. It's like, your mono is rubbish. The last time we got it was in the now fairly expensive vinyl mono box from 2009. The digital versions have been available. The, right. the CD mono box is not hugely expensive. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, I was fortunate that I got the vinyl mono, and I'm, I'm really happy I picked it up when I did, when it was released. For a reasonable price. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy as well. After talking to some people who are mono enthusiasts, and I've done a little bit of my own homework, A to B to C, this version with the 2009 version with a rip of an original vinyl, they are pretty close, but there are some minor differences. Darren Murphy seems to believe that there's a little bit more low end in this version. Was it pressed directly from the Masters, this one? It's an A to A to A transfer. Nice. 
Wow. Abbey Road Studios confirmed to me that it's a triple A mono cut. Doesn't matter. Sean's name is in the dead wax. Sean doesn't even like putting his name in the dead wax any longer. So that is coming again from the horse's mouth. I just wanted to get that out there. I found that interesting when I was reading that to, to some people were even questioning at this point. But I guess, again, you know, with the things that have been going on the past couple of months with DSD gate and whatnot, I can see that happening. So I haven't had a chance to listen to that particular uh, CD yet. Well, the version we have is digital, so it yeah. will be A to A to D for that when we listen to it until we actually get the vinyl. So now I have to open up my vinyl box. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, that's going to devalue. <laughs> I thought you were going to leave the CD box sealed. And- yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. They have you coming and going. Oh, my God. Well, you know, consider an investment, right? To some degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's just like, no, buy, buy three or four more sets. There you go. <laughs> the thing is about this is that for the most part, people buying it now are collectors. And so the casual fan probably isn't going to put out a whole lot of money for a box set. Especially when all the material is available online on whatever service you may have. Yeah, it's all streaming. Right. It'd be streaming right. on um, on Spotify, right? Apple, yeah. Wherever you may be, you will be able to hear everything. And I mean, it'll all be on YouTube as well at a slightly lower resolution right well you know the proliferation of all these different versions i think about occasionally because sometimes you'll be listening to to Sirius, and they're playing an outtake as if it was the song they wanted to release so what kind of experience are you getting when you listen that way you don't know what the original version was or what. And that has, in fact, been Paul McCartney's concern for at least the last couple of years. I speak for Paul. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. We started on the record proper. Taxman, which we have had for a little while. It was released about three weeks ago. We had a video for it. Lonnie and I talked about the video. We're not all that impressed with it yeah it's okay it's fun the graphic it's a little psychedelic i mean trying to fit in with that period but would have been nice to have maybe some pictures from the sessions or something like that i mean they could have gone a different way with it right the record company will always screw it up you know (laughs) because taxman is not psychedelic right exactly (laughs) well i mean as i described it it looked like something that they would have made for the electric company in 1973 (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Very good. (laughs) The song itself, right up top, you got something that people are complaining about. Surprise, surprise. The one, two, three, four, two, three, four, in the right channel of the original, there was a little bit of electrical hum from the amplifier. One, two, three, four, one, two. Giles took that out. People don't like that. One, two. Yeah, and it's also, it's mixed down. It's not as prominent as the original with a remaster. True. I don't hear it as clearly as I thought I would for the remix. It may be. Yeah, you think that's the placement of it? The lack of hum is clearly a decision. Oh, we want to make this clean. Uh, yeah, a fix. And really a silly thing to concentrate on. Oh my God, the hub's not there. Separate from everything else, we're all going to be able to pry those 
two seconds off of any version you want. You want, you want the mono? Sure, pry those two seconds off the mono and stick <laughs> it in front. <laughs> Make your own. <laughs> your fan mix. Mm-hmm. You know what my other beef is with Taxman. You need more cowbell. <laughs> they separated out the tambourine and the cowbell and put them in different channels. And so the cowbell certainly no longer as prominent as it used to be. And the tambourine. I thought in a way the tambourine was more muted too. Jotted down my notes. Don't like how they muted the tambourine more too. Also, I didn't like the part where they sing Mr. Heath. I liked how they, you know, held out the, the you know, concept of that sound. I mean, it almost, in the original mix, sounded, you know, almost sounded like the hissing of a snake. Yeah. Which really fit the tone of the song. <laughs> You don't hear that so much now. I know nitpicking, but that kind of bothered me that you now don't really hear that. Yeah, and they completely mixed out the marching bands, so... <laughs> yeah, and and in a couple places you can really clearly hear where it wasn't Giles, it was George Martin on the original. He just turned down the sound of one of the channels while and you can hear it goes to silence between two hits of the tambourine. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty clear whereas in either the mono or the original stereo, it was sort of mixed in into the goulash. <laughs> Yeah. But on the positive side, George's vocal never sounded better. Paul's guitar, amazing. It's not just amazing playing, it sounds amazing. Oh, it just jumps out of the speakers. I mean, it really does. That guitar solo, it just sounds as it's supposed to. It just sounds punchy. As you said, George's vocal sounds bright, just like it's supposed to. And Paul's bass. And there are various places on the record that we'll talk about where you really hear the James Jamerson of influence and the melodic kind of bass. They really bring it out in some of these mixes. And the drums, of course. Well, the drums are very clear, but I don't know if they're necessarily quite as prominent as they are in the other mixes. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm trying to think. But yeah, they're clear. Oh, they're absolutely clear. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly can hear the kick and mm-hmm. and all of these remixes, the kick, which is hard to hear on the remaster. Yes. But you definitely got a good kick in there now. And of course, with the compression, I guess they compressed the bass a little bit. I'm not sure, but it certainly is prominent. It is. And the background yeah. vocals are amazing. Yes. They come in very clear, very distinctive. Do you think they used some of the enhancements? Like they did with Lucy in the Skies, where the pianos are going back, ping-ponging back. I don't think so. You think they played? You don't hear that? Okay. No, I don't hear that. I think it's a pretty clean stereo. No. It's just all in the placement of the instruments in the mix. Okay. Well, maybe it was my connection at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the part of the song, if you drive a car, McCartney's bass is amazing. Yeah, he's, he's thumping on it. Is he playing with his fingers, you think, or a pick? I would say it sounds like a pick, but I mean, he was a monster bass player. 
but he is less likely to play something with his fingers. He couldn't play it with his fingers. It just sounds like a pick to me, particularly on that part. And then the stereo drums. I mean, that is Giles Martin's favorite thing about this mix. And uh, all the way along, everywhere he's shown it off, and he actually even talked about it on the radio, he is so proud of being able to isolate the, the kick from the toms from the cymbals. This is what it sounds like with the guitar off. Now, you can infer that's bass and drums. What's it sound like with the bass off? And so now, what we're listening to is Ringo's drum kit. Now, no one's actually ever heard this. It's just Ringo playing drums in the room. And it sounds pretty clear, but then going even further, what's it like if we can actually remove that and take the kick drum off? So you just have Ringo's snare drum. So what we have is just Ringo snare drum. It's only you can hear the rattle of the snake and you can hear the room it's played on. And bearing in mind, in this is a track that had guitar, bass, and drums on it all together. So that means then I can now move the drums to the centre. And by the way, the cymbals. Oh wow, I love the sound of the cymbals here. Yeah, and there are other cuts on the album, too, where he managed to bring out the cymbals a lot more, to the point where a couple of times I thought, I'd never noticed that before, never heard that cymbal part before. Yeah, so it's really amazing what you can do with this new technology, isn't it? You know, I'm glad we've gotten to hear it. All right, so we move on to track two, Eleanor Rigby. This sounds significantly different than the mono. The previous stereo never quite sounded right. Yeah, you're right. It sounds so fresh, so clean. And we were talking previously about the youth and their voice. It's McCartney at whatever age he was at the time. What, 25, 26, 14? <laughs> but it, I mean, it's, 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 uh, yeah. it's really a really good remix. Yes, it really allows you to hear you know, what George Martin said about hearing the rosin on the strings, you, you mic it so closely, and that really kind of comes through. The strings are really spiky, and the low end is very rich. And having them in stereo, oh, you know, that's just so gorgeous. This is another case yeah. where, in this remix, it sounds like it could have been recorded today. I mean, it just sounds so modern in, in many ways. I mean, just the way it's been sharpened. I was just stunned listening to it, like hearing some of the violins. I mean, it did. I mean, it sounded like, you know, you could just hear every bit of vibrato. It was astounding how just closely you could hear it. You know, you could hear the bow scraping across the strings. I mean, it was just amazing. And yeah, Paul's vocals on this sound even better than they did. And it just gives Eleanor Rigby, as you said, Lonnie, just a fresher sound. It's an absolute tribute to how well they recorded everything originally. And the quality of the tape. I mean, you know, we've always known that EMI's equipment was top-notch. The fact that they can do all of this with it is just amazing. Right. They had the best equipment, the best microphones. It's a tribute to that. 
And then there is the significant change. On one side, you had this dropout in Paul's vocal right after the word Eleanor, and it doesn't come back into uh, all the lonely people. That's now not the case here. But, I mean, to a lot of people, that's always been a key part of the song. (laughs) Clearly a mistake. It's like Day Tripper, that note that goes missing. Mm -hmm. I never really noticed that much it it didn't make much difference to me but it reminds me of todd rundgren's utopia where his foe eleanor rigby he made sure to have exactly the same error in there track number three i'm only sleeping that's more or less close to what we've had before i think the effects are up a little bit and the bass is up a little bit but you know i don't hear that much difference between this and the previous stereo yeah well i think with all of these songs it's just the enhancement with the vocals just they're brighter they're clearer the yawn You could, I mean, the yawn scared me. I thought someone was in the room. Me too. I was listening on headphones and I actually jumped. (laughs) Oh man, I'm glad I'm not the only one. What is that? It was like more surround sound yawn than you would have. Well, wait until we get it in Atmos. (laughs) Oh, my God. My God, you'll have to peel me off the seat. Who is that? (laughs) And I agree with you. The bass is up, and I think that that actually helps the song. Yeah. It, It has a jazzier feel. And so when that exquisite moment happens when John and George do those background ooze... Wow, it really took my breath away. For me, the remix vastly improved. I'm only sleeping. I liked it a lot better. The previous mix for me, it was a little muddy sounding in in some ways. And maybe this was their intention that, because of course it is supposed to have the drowsy aura to it, kind of dreamlike. This, without diminishing the drowsy feeling of the song, it just sounds so much clearer. So as you said, John, that bass that comes through, it does give it more of a jazzy kind of sound. You can really hear the harmonies much better. The backward guitar loops come through even better. I like the song already, but it gave me even more appreciation for it. And yeah, that yawn, I never noticed it as vividly (laughs) as in this mix. Threw me off my chair. Yeah, I know. Bonnie, I am so happy I wasn't the only one. Yeah, I jumped. (laughs) I'm glad that nobody made the decision to take it out. (laughs) (laughs) It made me realize just how rough the Yesterday and Today mix was. 
you know, I went back and listened to that, the American mix, and I was like, well, now this doesn't sound right at all. Yeah. <laughs> the guitars are different yeah. on that one, aren't they? Well, of course. Even just the mix of it, it's like they weren't ready for the public to hear this yet. And you can tell. Right. We're coming to it. But the uh, the harmonies on uh, Dr. Robert aren't the same. Yeah. They're not as well developed. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. It's just needed something to fill the album in before the actual album came out. <laughs> right. Uh, crazy. You know, Capital's coming to them and say, we need this and we need this now. Well, they could have picked one John and one Paul and one George. Ugh, you remove yeah. a George. You can't remove Love You Too and you can't remove Taxman off the record. That leaves one. That also would have diminished Revolver tremendously. Right. Well, I could see that coming after what goes on. Now we come to the second George song and it really feels much more Indian. You listen to the mono or you listen to the previous stereo mix. It felt a little less Indian to me. The, you know, the, the sitars weren't quite mixed as non-pop as they are here. Yeah, this mix actually fits better with Within You Without You. The way he approached it kind of joins them together. I would absolutely agree with that. What's lost a little bit in this mix is the fuzz guitar. Yeah, you definitely don't hear that. On the previous mixer revolver and on the mono too, you know that makes it just ever so slightly more pop. I turn around this past. You don't get time to hang a sign on me. One thing I do like on this mix though is they fix something that's always bothered me a little bit in previous mixes when George is harmonizing with himself on the words me and see when he's holding those notes. It sounded like there was a little distortion, something like they'd gone over the EQ or something that just sounded a little fuzzy, and they seem to have fixed that. They'll feel you in with It was like muffled to some degree, but that's been fixed here. Yeah, so I like that. I do appreciate that they've fixed that issue. Tiny little thing, but... Again, it sounds good. Mm -hmm. With one or two exceptions, there's no doubt that everything sounds as good as it possibly can. Absolutely. And there's an extra second of sitar for those who are counting. Agreed. A millisecond. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, there's like one extra note at the end there. Right. And the drums have more punch. Wasn't the remix, the intentions was to be similar to the mono mixes, right? Giles seems to be moving away from that a little bit. Is he? Pepper was clearly modeled on the mono mix. Okay. The White Album, I think they weren't quite sticking to either the stereo or the mono mix. Yeah. It's like, well, we're, we're going to make it a little bit more like the mono mix, but we're doing our own thing with the White Album. So that's the same thing here, Revolver? Yeah, I would have to say that's the same thing here. Okay. Because the mono mixes seem to be just a hair longer. You get that extra second of something at the very end that you're hoping it would go on longer. Yeah. But it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and you get a quick fade out on the stereo mixes. True. So it seems like here you get more of that extra second which you know means a lot to us well absolutely so we move on to what is one of my favorites 
of the officially released tracks of the canon that we've had from the remasters so far here there and everywhere you can hear each of their voices it's almost as clear as it is in the because remix it's so absolutely great i have to agree with you uh this is beautiful and this was one that may convince me to buy those earbuds you know <laughs> for the for the atmos because i mean the clarity if you close your eyes they're in your living room you know <laughs> absolutely yeah. i mean it's almost like they're standing around you right paul in front of you and john and george on the right and the left of you and i in either ear yeah. it's like you're a, you're a little little bar a little club you know <laughs> right there our imagination has gone wild here, <laughs> listening to this mix it is much clearer the tie to the beach boys yeah you know, good point you know, yeah. previously it was clear that they were kind of doing beach boys harmony But here it's like, oh, yeah, and they're doing it better. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, yeah. Not, that's, that's not hey. a knock on the Beach Boys, um, but. <laughs> oh, Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually the one thing that I would criticize about it is that there is a Beach Boys intention there. And the Beach Boys records never sounded that separated so i'm having to kind of adjust my ears to having all the harmonies right there You know, maybe it was all in my imagination that the Beach Boys' vocal harmonies were a little bit more separated, a little bit more like this. But this is my preference to hear the vocal harmony, I think. I love it on Because. I mean, I thought that was great. And can't wait until he mixes this boy. Oh, yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, I love it. I love the arrangement. I love the vocals. It just sounds off to me. Fair enough. Nobody has to love everything. Right. I may be back with you in six months to say, uh, I like it now. Is it that you like it less or is it just that it's different? It is different. You know, just as you hear any of this stuff and you appreciate some things and not others, it's it's just a different way that I have to listen to this music that is uh, not what my ear has been trained to listen for. It's the same song, but it sounds like a new song. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exact same parts, and, but it, it is different. So, I just thought, again, it just sounded fresh, sounded like it could have been recorded at any time. I mean, it didn't sound like 1966. <laughs> right. I mean, it really sounded timeless. And I really like what they did with Ringo's drums, because that was something that always bothered me a little bit in previous mixes. His drums always just sounded a little subtle. Ringo wasn't going to really rip it on on this track, I know, but they're also a little too subtle. And I think this mix 
really gets it right. Gives them more of a round sound when necessary, you know, with some of the fills. Had a little more depth to them. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about the cymbal. There was one part right before one of the times when Paul would sing, I want her everywhere. And right before that, there, I suddenly heard like the symbol part that I'd never heard before. Someone is speaking, but she doesn't know he's there. I want her everywhere. Just suddenly it's like, whoa, where did I ever notice that before? You know, these remixes give it an atmosphere of it's live. Yeah, absolutely. They're playing live in the studio, and this is what we're getting, like, you know, live at Abbey Road. Yeah. I'm going to say this, and you're all (laughs) probably going to boo me for this. We heard Paul doing this stuff live in Broad Street, and this sounds as much like the Broad Street version as it does like the original (laughs) Revolver version. Boo. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. There's certainly changes in arrangement and changes in mix, and Paul was many years older on Broad Street. But what we're hearing now is probably much closer to what Paul had in his head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you say many years older. Be honest. He was only 20 years, not even 20 years. Not even 20 years. 18 years older. Wow. That was 30 something years ago, 36 years ago. As we were just talking about, we're coming up on the 40th anniversary of Broad Street in a couple of years, Lonnie. Where's my box set? I want my box set. All the outtakes. Well, anyway, that's my thought on the matter. So uh, into Yellow Submarine, you were talking about what are they trying to do? Are they trying to match the stereo, trying to match the mono? They're clearly trying to match the mono here. There's a little bit more of the acoustic guitar than there was in the stereo mix. And some of John's responses come back here more than they were in the stereo. Yeah, that's right. That's that's, uh, definitely a new mix. I like it. I think it's fresh. Yep. I think the bass is a bit more prominent. I'd say the backing harmonies are a little more distinctive. You know, you can hear the individual voices a bit more. Definitely the sound effects, I I would say, are clear, particularly the waves. (laughs) Oh, yeah, the whole ocean. And it's in just such beautiful stereo. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, when you hear it on headphones, particularly, you feel like you're underwater when you hear those (laughs) waves. Talk about a yawn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't scare me. <laughs> the tub is overflowing. The tub is overflowing. <laughs> Boy, you're in that submarine, darn it. That's great. I mean, I, I love that. And, you know, you really hear the, like, the clinking glasses and, the, you know, people talking. I mean, it's uh, nice to hear some of those sound effects a little more clearly than before. And when you compare it to the mono version, and wow, oh, what yeah. a difference. That's- they clearly had fun rebuilding yellow submarine it's a fun song i think the the harmony on the chorus the lower harmony is a little brought out ever so slightly yeah not a lot yeah because that chorus actually ends on a weird note for the lower harmony and i hear it better on this Uh, with regards to the song itself now that we know what john wrote when he's doing some of these funny callbacks maybe he is trying to just say something to paul it's like yeah, what you doing my damn song, Paul? <laughs> well, you never know. That line, which is uh, completely unintelligible, that some people have interpreted as uh, Paul is a queer. It's like, no, but well, now, maybe. 
I don't know. I was trying to write this serious song about my pain, and then you did this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't actually believe that. But no, the, this is John Lennon we're talking about. There may have been a touch of that in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and our friends are all aboard. Many more of them live next door. And the band begins to play. All right, now the song which is going to be the biggest controversy in this set. She said, she said. (laughs) No controversy here. Yeah, what's the controversy? Maybe not among us, but uh, among the people who want to complain. They've got plenty to complain about here. (laughs) It's definitely a different mix, and when you hear it, with headphones on or earbuds. It this is one that I really enjoyed it and when I heard that separation with those guitars, it's like wow. Yeah, on the left channel, on the original you had two guitars which were basically right on top of each other. Right, and you don't hear the different notes they're playing. Here you can hear distinctively they're playing a different note. Different, not a, maybe not a different note, yeah. like a different stress, you know. Well, basically by separating the guitars, which were originally yeah. a wash, you know, they, they put those guitars right on top of each other. And so you couldn't differentiate one guitar from another. But once uh, the decision was made to actually separate the guitars because they could, then the one part became distinctive. Yeah, and it's quite distinctive. You can clearly hear you know? the notes that whoever's yeah. playing it maybe george yeah i'm believing it's george probably because john would be handling the the riff but i like it it's something i it, it's that little bit of easter egg yeah that we never heard before <laughs> kind of like that a little strum <laughs> on come together right yeah there's just that little bit of guitar slide that you hear this comes up you know right. it's like wow what is this when I heard it, it gave me like chills. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I really yeah. like this mix. It's kind of similar to I'm Only Sleeping. I think it's less muddy sounding. I mean, you hear the harmonies better and kind of like what you're saying, separating the guitars out a bit more. I really appreciated Ringo's drumming even more. I mean, you really hear, you know, again, just what a great drummer he is, the different drum patterns he executes during the song. Absolutely. It just made me even appreciate the lyrics more. Everything just sounds clearer to me on this. And again, not taking away from the psychedelic, somewhat woozy kind of feeling of the song, but I just think it makes you listen to the song in a new way. It just makes you listen to different aspects of the song more closely. This was a highlight for me. It's a lot less psychedelic. Mm-hmm. If it was psychedelic, it's a lot less. Yep. Yeah. To me, this could be a, a top 10 song today mm-hmm. if we were if we were still playing rock and roll. <laughs> 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 but we're not. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
We yeah. should be get, able to, to I don't get know. it to trend. A, a Harry Styles guy? Yeah, yeah. get Harry Styles to cover it, no problem. I think he could right. do it and not make any changes. Just right. do it the way the original was done. There you go. You know? I love this song because, you know, Ringo says that Rain is his best drumming. And, you know, he certainly has a lot in his canon. But I find, particularly with this mix, that his drumming on She Said, She Said is terrific, exquisite. Yeah, I agree. And just as inventive as Rain is. Totally agree with you. It's amazing that they did this start to finish in less than a day. Wow. They started with a demo in the afternoon, and by three in the morning, they were done with it. The one thing I will say, this actually made me appreciate the mono less because... Through the first verse in the mono, there's this hum coming off of the organ, and it's mixed down considerably. It's still there in in this stereo version, and that hum is just annoying. Yeah. (laughs) That's my comment. They took the hum out of the. You mean they took the hum out? <laughs> they didn't take it out. It's still there. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit less prominent. In the mono, it's like, what's going on here? Oh, you know, something is humming in the organ. First of all, someone should lose their job at Abbey Road. Paul walked out, and they only had a couple of hours to finish this off. <laughs> <laughs> just keep recording. We don't need to fix the organ. On to Good Day Sunshine, track number eight. The piano just sounds so great here oh yeah it's one of those again where they're in your living room (laughs) they're playing the keyboard right in front of you and it's just nice everything about it is really really refreshing the harmonies are so good yeah this is another song that i'm really glad that it was remixed like this it was wonderful to begin with but it, it really brings it up to date i think it again doesn't sound like it was recorded in 1966. Turns up the bass a bit. Again, gives Ringo's drums a fuller sound. Really never notice those hand claps as much as, as in this mix. I mean, you really hear the hand claps a bit more. Harmonies sound much fuller here, I think. The harmonies. I don't know if it's just me, though. The fade-out seems a, a bit faster than the original. Um, uh, there's, also, there's also a very clear error in like the last four or five seconds the hi-hats stop suddenly and you get what sounds like a little bit of distortion coming out oh i didn't notice that that the last four or five seconds i mean it's not like a big huge thing but it's Mm -hmm. there yeah i'll have to go back and listen to that but definitely i thought the fade out was a little fast good day sunshine good day sunshine had a similar feeling mm-hmm. Kit, when yeah. I heard it, that, but I didn't think much of it. Mm-hmm. But now that you mention it, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounded a little fast. Yeah. I concur. Good day, sunshine. Good day, sunshine. Is it the mono? Is it the stereo? Is it something new? Yeah. I mean, where you know these fades don't match exactly, and the runtimes you know differ by a second or two mm-hmm. across the different yeah. versions of the album. 
you mentioned the hand claps that amused me in particular because if you if you listen to our theme one of the things that people have always said about our theme which was like well, why do those hand claps sound the way they do well now you know <laughs> they sound like the good day sunshine hand clap beneath a shady tree And now you can fully appreciate it. <laughs> there you go. And we say this while John is in process of getting us a new theme. But uh, <laughs> th- thanks, Jay Young. And, you know, we now have an explanation for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, and your bird can sing. That's always been a track which everybody's loved. And this version, it's a stronger track. It's a more powerful track. I didn't hear that much difference. Other than obviously some of the stereo changes with the vocals, but it sounds pretty much like the remaster to me. I, I think there's a little bit more bite to the guitars here. The guitars are a little bit harder, I think. Okay. Great song still, but I didn't see too a dramatic change in it than the others that we've described. I would agree that it's been so well remixed before that there's really not that much needed to be done changed wise. It's not like some of the other songs in this set. It's subtle, but I can hear the difference. I was anticipating a difference now, especially after she said, she said. So when we got to this song in your Birkin saying, I was actually a little disappointed that I didn't hear a dramatic difference. It didn't wow me like the others. I could hear a difference. Could you? This really jumped out the speakers for me i thought the bass the drums you know harmonies rang out clearer again hand claps i never had fully noticed before you know i mentioned earlier about the james jamerson bass i really thought the james jamerson influence really stood out for me here because you could hear it better It's my turn to be booed at. Andrew Bird Can Sing has never been one of my all-time favorite Beatles tracks. Um, yeah, <laughs> I told you. I mean, I like it, but it, but this. I was waiting. Yeah. <laughs> but this remix really makes me rethink it. Yay! Thank you. Yep, see, I've redeemed myself because this remix just has such punch to it. And practically just reaches out, grabs me by the collar and says, damn it, this is a great song. (laughs) (laughs) You will listen to this. (laughs) And I just loved it. I mean, this was another real highlight of the box set for me. This definitely makes me appreciate the song a lot more. Generally speaking, from all the Beatles songs and the catalog, from a musician standpoint, this is the hardest song for me to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that way, John. Yeah. <laughs> wow, interesting. 
Yeah. And not just because there are three guitars playing the intro at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> they're in harmony and there's some other octave yeah. things going on. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I thought about this mix that was different is that I recall the last few notes of McCartney's bass when he goes boom, boom, goes up high, mm. that it just had a little bit more punch than this mix has. Possibly, yeah. And it's a weird little thing. Track number 10 for no one. We've had a couple tracks here where it's all, you know, there are little changes, but nothing tremendous for no one is a completely different mix. But unlike she said, she said, it doesn't sound like a different song. It just sounds like everything has been polished to perfection. Yeah, I would agree with you there, Ed. It is an excellent remix. Not dramatic changes, but you can hear everything crystal clear. Yeah, There was dust on it. They'd wiped it off, and it's like not a new song, but it's just it, it raised it up to something that I think we can reappreciate it. And proof that George Martin could record yeah, orchestral definitely. instruments like nobody else. Yeah, I like your your analogy, Lonnie, of blowing the dust off. I mean, that is the experience you have listening to this. I mean, it is like they've cleaned it up, and it does. You know, I know I've said this a thousand times, but again, it just sounds timeless. I mean, it sounds like it could have been recorded any time. And the arrangement, I mean, you really get to appreciate how beautiful that arrangement George Martin wrote is and that stunning trumpet solo. And oh, my gosh. And of course, Paul's voices never sounded better than in this remix. They make it sound even more crystal clear than it already was. And I think in previous mixes, there had been a slight reverb to it, and I think they got rid of, of that, and it sounds yeah. a lot better. Your day breaks, your mind aches, you find that all her words of kindness linger on when she no longer needs you. I like it without the reverb. She wakes up, she makes up, she takes her time and doesn't feel she has to hurry. She no longer needs you. It's an intimate song. It's a very personal song, and now it sounds even more so, and it should. And I think part of the reason they got rid of that reverb is, I think that hits some clashes between the piano and the harpsichord. Mm, Okay. And so, you know, they put a little reverb on it and that sweetened it up a little bit. But here they separated them. Yeah. One's right and one's left. So you no longer have two instruments on the same track basically messing each other up. Gotcha. Much improved. Track number 11, Dr. Robert. No thoughts? No. <laughs> 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 I was just trying to think how I was going to put this. This was always one of my favorite Lennon tracks, and I love this mix, absolutely. You know, the bridge, the harmonies are just wonderful, especially, I guess it's Lennon who goes... You know, the real low thing. It just resonates like I've never heard. I, yeah, I, I like it just, you know, for those reasons as well, John. And uh, when I heard that part, which I really didn't hear in the remaster where Lennon's voice gets lower, it's like, wow, I can hear that. The, mm-hmm. I don't know why you would say it. The, the timber? Timber, yeah. You hear timber, it. It's just, yeah. wow, it's just amazing yeah. how Giles was able to bring that out. You know, talk about a remastered. This is a remixed 
remastered vocal. <laughs> well, I mean, again, it makes you appreciate the Mal technology. This thing knows what John Lennon's voice is better than we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I mean, full disclosure, this has always been my least favorite track on the album. So, you know, but to say this is, in my opinion, the quote's weakest track on the album. I mean, I use the term weak very loosely because to say this is a weak track compared to the others is... Something has to be on the bottom. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Certainly music speaks to people in different ways. And so it's not about good or bad or yep. whether you think one thing is weak or whatever. It's good music and you can appreciate yep. it at least for that. The remix isn't as dramatic for me on this track because of that. However, you guys were talking about John's lower voice. What stood out for me, too, though, was, the, was Paul's harmony vocals, where you really hear him you know, going high up. You really hear him go up high. You know, that stood out for me, too, where I just thought, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that just sounded really great. So, yeah, I agree. The harmonies on this really come through on this remix. They just sound great. You just can appreciate them a lot more than before. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are harmonies everywhere, (laughs) even places where we didn't even necessarily think that there were harmonies. Yeah. And you can hear it. Yeah. That's what this mix brings out. In, in In the flurry of publicity about this, I read an article about the things that are new in this box set. And it confirmed for me something I thought for years. A couple of times in that song, John sings Bob Roberts. Bob Roberts. Because Bob spelled backwards is still Bob. Oh, wow. That's just like, I don't think they're singing all the lonely people every time in Eleanor Rigby. I I don't think so either. (laughs) I think sometimes they're singing all the lowly people with a W. And I even Ooh. think sometimes they're singing all the lovely people, V-E. And it's like, it's very subtle, but you can hear right, it. Right, right. But it's like those phrases where, if you, you know, you hear a crowd chanting them, and then you can look at a series of phrases and go, yeah. they're saying something yeah. different every time, yeah. but they're not. So I've thought that he's, he's saying lovely ever since mm-hmm. I heard the record. Not always, yeah. but... There were times when he sang it that way. So. I still get that feeling, even more so listening to this remix of it. But on to track 12, I want to tell you more from George. This is a nice one. I, I like the tone on the guitar, the vocals, the backgrounds, everything. It's just a lot clearer. So this is a good one for me. Yeah. Yeah, there was yeah. hiss on the original version. Here, all of that's gone. Yep. The guitar comes off more clicky, which is a good thing for me. (laughs) That's an improvement. Yeah, I've always loved this song. I think this is one of George's more underrated songs. So I was very excited to hear this remix. And I agree, great to hear that hiss is gone. The only little nitpicky things I have is I don't love what they did with Ringo's drums here, because one of the things I'm used to hearing, you know, we were talking about this earlier about we're used to hearing certain things and, and you know, and then to hear them gone or mixed down or w- whatever the case is bothers us. And, all. and I liked how in previous mixes that his drums had a little like echo to them to give them a little more power, particularly like right after the lines like that is confusing things and maybe you'd understand. But if I seem to act unkind, it's only me, it's not my mind. 
And there used to be more of an echo on that. Right. That's toned down. And I I don't know. I, I don't know why they did that. Because um, I think that had a great sound, gave them a little more power. Sometimes I wish I knew you well. Then I could speak my mind and tell you. Maybe you'd understand. I want to tell. I think the sound initially is a snare drum hmm. with the snares hmm. turned off I mean, or removed so that the, yeah. the drum mm-hmm. had a exactly a boing that's, to it. That's a better way to be a boing. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that's the technical term. Thank you. A nickel boing. A boing. <laughs> I'm missing. Where's the boing? I want the boing. You know, it's just a different sound. I really liked it. it gave it a little more power and it was just different. And I just feel like that's been mixed down. Um, I also thought the other part I love is in the fade out when Paul does that wonderful vocal word, you know, a little melisma in it. And you don't hear it as well now. That disappointed me. I was like, oh, come on. That's one of the best parts of the song. That, I thought, was a weird choice to to mix that down. Yeah, interesting. I never noticed it. And that's not as prominent? No. Or is it gone? It's not gone, but it's not as prominent. I think that's a big mistake because that is such a great part of the track. So those are my two quibbles. I mean, the rest well, of it's great, but well, well, we'll check the mono mix. But I mean, if it is what's on the mono mix, then you have to say that is what they originally wanted. Yep. Well, because, they're I mean, wrong. They, <laughs> they, they had full charge of the mono mix. Bring back the melisma and the boing. <laughs> well, the, the the boing there maybe because Mal didn't necessarily know. Enough to, oh, that's part of the drum sound. Yep. That's just a hypothetical. But, yep, uh, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> track 13, Got to Get You Into My Life. First off, the organ. In the original mix, the organ went up and down a little bit. Here, it's there through the whole song. Yeah, it's pretty consistent. And you can hear the drums. <laughs> Finally. Yep, exactly. <laughs> you can moment. hear the drums and the bass. Right. And- you can hear the guitar just like on the, I guess you'll talk about it a couple of weeks, like the rehearsals, the outtakes of this. That guitar is like paperback writer guitar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we yeah. can hear it clearer here in that break part. Yeah. Absolutely. I like it. You know, all of these songs are timeless, but the example would be this song made the top 10, 10 years after it was released in 76. Yeah, it was yeah. the single from Rock and Roll. I was so high on the Beatles in 76. Hearing this on the top 40 radio, it was just awesome. It was one of those things where that's my Beatles on the current top 40 <laughs> with Aerosmith and Led Zeppelin and <laughs> right. whatever. And, uh, and it's a 10-year-old song. Yep. <laughs> that was pretty cool, you know? 
pretty impressive. Ooh, you were meant to be near me. Ooh, and I want you to hear me say we'll be together every day. Paul's vocal. From this mix in particular, more than... I've ever heard it before. The screamy voice is just, it's almost like the I'm down screamy voice. Yeah. I definitely would agree with that. Yeah, good call. It is very similar. The remix didn't have the same effect as some of the others in that. I just thought, you know, wow, this makes me think of the song in a whole new way. It was just cleaning it up, just making it sound much clearer so you could appreciate Ringo's drums, the bass, Paul's voice, the nuances of his voice, that kind of thing. Tremendous piece of work. Not so much Giles, it's the song that's a tremendous piece right. of work, but being able to hear everything is, uh, you know, good on them. Yep. Agreed. All right. And then the last track on the album, Tomorrow Never Knows, which always seemed like the one that they wouldn't be able to remix, but here it is. They did a good job. I didn't hear anything that came out that was different to the, me. The you know? squeaky bird sounds, you know, the, the sound effects, yeah. those jump out at me a little bit more. Yeah, but I don't think it changed the song or the texture of the song all that much. It's a good remix, but nothing really came out to say, wow, you know, this is... You know, like she said, she said. Well, the rhythm section, yeah. the yeah. bass and drums, the bass is now all the way up in the mix, whereas before it was pretty yeah. buried. But you put the two of them together, it shows you just how good Paul and Ringo were as a rhythm section. Yeah, it does do that. So, okay, guys. So this is my favorite Beatles song. <laughs> so I've got some stuff to say. <laughs> so Go for it, right. kid. So no, and this is all positive. So this was my ultimate test. So I'm like, all right, going to have the headphones on, close my eyes, and just like immerse myself in this song and really concentrate. And wow. I mean, I thought the remix was, I mean, I agree it wasn't super drastic but but it didn't need to be but exactly i mean it's already such an incredible piece of work but i agree i think the base and let me preface this some of this what i was saying was i was completely sober okay so some of this is gonna sound like you know <laughs> we have to listen to it again now you mean sober <laughs> We'll be back next week. Yeah. <laughs> so I swear to God, some of what I'm going to say, I was completely sober listening to this, but this is just the effect it had. All right. So the bass and drums, I mean, you can just feel it, you know, because it's so, you know, up in the mix. And then hearing the sound, that kind of swirling sound of the tape loops. I mean, they go in the left ear, the right ear, the left ear, and it's more prominent. I would say a bit more prominent. The seagull sounds definitely, you can hear them a lot better. At one point I heard, I think it was in the left channel, it sounded like, I don't know if it was the tack piano or what it was, but it was, it almost just sounded like the strumming. It, it almost sounded like a harp. It wasn't, but 
I'd never noticed it before. Mm, just maybe it was one of the tape loops. I don't know, but through. I had never noticed that before. I just, I mean, that was another one. It didn't scare me like the yawn, but it <laughs> made me. But it made me sit up like, what the hell was that? And John's vocals sounded clear, you know, and even of course the second part where they're a bit distorted. I'll tell you by the end when I turned it off, I took it off, and I swear my head was like spinning a little bit. <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, because it just that the sound, because it's so clarified, it just really, you know, had an impact. I mean, you just really felt like everything was just right there. It was just so vivid. So, and again, I was completely sober. <laughs> so you say. <laughs> I was, I swear to you. But I'm just saying, you know, it's what it was supposed to do. The mix was everything I had hoped for. You know, that was my ultimate test. This, because I'm like, all right, this is the song that we're really going to see how good this remix yeah, is. I could see what you mean. It's, yeah, you know, there's a lot going on in the song. Exactly. I have to listen to it again. You've got to do it. Sober. Sober. <laughs> it doesn't sound busy and things aren't on top of each other. I mean, right. that's, that was the thing about the original mix is you kind of got things colliding with each other. Yeah. Just left and right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. It is not busy. But you can hear more. You can hear just the different parts coming and going. And, and I mean, it's, uh, oh, I mean, it's just a masterpiece. It's a, it's a work of art. That it is. You know. Truly. Never done drugs. I have no desire to do drugs. But when you know you listen to this and you're just like, I've never done but, them, but this must be close. <laughs> I'm so happy that he put this on yesterday in the day. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a bummer. Yeah, <laughs> Nowhere, man. You know, yesterday and then tomorrow never knows. Yeah. <laughs> I said you didn't know what was going on. Why you the latest Beatles album? Let's start with this one. Have fun.
the song that made Don Draper turn off Revolver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh. go ahead and uh, grade this on our way out the door here. You got to say, for me, it's an A+. This is my favorite of Giles's remixes to date, period. Wow. I would agree with you, Ed. I mean, this is, it's a tremendous remix. It's a breath of fresh air for an album that always had a, a clear direction uh, where the Beatles were going, but this certainly has gave it a breath of fresh air. It's a great remix. A plus with me too. Kit? I would give it an A. The only reason not A plus, you know, just some of these slight quibbles, but A for sure. Well, I would go absolutely A plus when you think that the album actually is going to be 60 years wow. old in, in four years. This will give it a long shelf life and introduce this music to another audience. And so for comparison's sake, I would say Pepper is a good solid A for me. The White Album is an A minus. Abbey Road is an A minus. And Let It Be is probably a good A. It's not quite an A plus. But a lot of that has to do with it being Let It Be. <laughs> yeah. So this is the one with is A+. Plus. This is my favorite of the ones we've had so far. And, you know, All right. we'll see once we get Rubber Soul. It, it makes me just chomp at the bit to see what is this technology going to do for us on Rubber Soul? Oh, oh. really? Really? Yeah. It, it could be a major thing. As I've said several times, good on you, Giles. You did good here. For sure. Don't listen to the people who are sending complaints your way. Get on it. Although he said he's going to take some months off before he starts thinking about, quote, the next Beatles project, unquote. Yeah, I think he's earned it. <laughs> but not too long. I want to <laughs> yeah. hear it next Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think that's probably a, a, a good guess. You know, if he takes yeah. six months off, then that puts him starting in you know February, March, which is about when he started on all of these projects. Yeah. Still amazes me that what we're talking about has only been possible because of COVID. I guess, yeah, to some degree. That's kind of true, yeah. There's good in everything, so. <laughs> even the bad, but. Uh... Yes. Right. <laughs> oh, I, I just wanted to leave you thought. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us these last two weeks. Uh, Kit Lottie, we're always happy to hear from you. Uh, Kit, you are on Talk More Talk. And you've got your courses coming up. Uh, anything else you want to let the people know about? Just that you can find me on uh, Facebook and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kiddo Tool. Uh, and on Facebook, just, just look up uh, Kiddo Tool Keynotes and you can follow me there and find out what I'm uh, doing. Oh, and in December, I'm going to be guesting on Tuesday Night Record Club, uh, hosted by your friend and mine, Ken Womack. We are going to be discussing Aretha Franklin's album, Young Gifted in Black. I believe that is December 6th. I will post that, uh, all the details on uh, my Facebook page. And also just follow me there and uh, hope to see you uh, on the, to talk about that album. And I won't spoil anything, but uh, you, I, and a certain British friend of ours have something that we're cooking up uh, for the very near future. Yes, indeed. Yep. Stay tuned for details. Lonnie, you got your TikToks going on. Anything else that you want people to know about? No, that's about it, really. Just um, having fun, you know, showing off my collection to uh, a whole new generation out there. So I'll continue to do that. 
And uh, otherwise, I'll be available whenever uh, you guys need me. Well, thank you for being here in the past. (laughs) (laughs) And then then John and I still have two more weeks of Revolver at least. We may stretch it to a third. We'll figure it out. But uh, we certainly have two weeks on the two outtake discs. And then we can start complaining about where's sometime in New York City again. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Okay, I'll put that down on my calendar. Thanks, everybody. This has been a lot of fun these last two weeks. Anytime. I'm happy to come back. It's always a great time with you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you much, Ed, John. Yeah. Thanks, Lottie. Thanks, Kit. So we'll be back next week. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. Stayed up the guitar, and that's on the right hand side, and put the bass on the left hand side. This is now that track one that's played in stereo, which means it's the band more like in a room, like you'd hear them. And if I switch back now to you to the original track one, you'll hear everything on the left hand side. And then going back to what we have. It's now in stereo and it just makes it, it makes it more real. It makes it like you're in the room of the band. I like to think of, and I know this from my dad, that it's the technology that they would have wanted to use had they had it. I tell you one thing, there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals, but they got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going. Turned up nice again.